What's going on, Will Freeman, RevolutionaryLifestyleDesign.com, talking about the true source of all your stress and the solution. Not all of your stress, but the vast majority of it comes from one key concept. It's going to blow your mind when you actually think about it. We go through all the examples. And that concept is the true source of your stress comes from other people. Okay, let me say that again. The true source of the vast majority of your stress comes from other people. Yes, there are, you know, there's the fear of sickness. There's the fear of death. There's the, you know, financial fears. But the vast majority of the stuff that you stress about, and stress is just another word for fear. Anxiety is just another word for fear, comes from other people. And even in regards to death, sickness, financial fears, there are still other people involved in that stress, which I will get to later. And fear is just a thought in present time, because present time is all that exists. You'll never feel the, the, the feeling of time pass, of future pain. So anytime you're stressed or anxious or fearful, it's all the same thing. And it's all in regards to um, pain in the future. And the vast majority of that pain um, that future, that, that fear called stress is in relation to other people could possibly cause me pain in the future, both the far future and the near future, because those people have caused me pain before. Now I'm not saying physically, in fact, it's very often not going to be physical pain, but it's going to be, um, psychic pain, mental pain, um, through shame or annoyance or, um, you know, removing your ability to get income, et cetera, et cetera. So the cause of most of your stress is other people. The solution is to remove those suppressive people from your life and surround yourself with supportive people. So let me give you some examples and we really run into this. Okay. Let's say have you, you have a job right now. God willing, you already have your own business. You're doing six figures, even better. You're doing seven figures. If you still have a job, a lot of your daily stress is going to come from colleagues and your boss. Your boss primarily because the boss-employee relationship is almost always adversarial. You always have two different goals. The employee wants to do as little work as possible and get paid as much as possible. The boss wants him to do as much work as possible and get as paid as little as possible. Uh, if your boss could get away with paying you $500 for the month, he would. If your boss could outsource your job to the Philippines and give the exact same standard of quality, where he really can out, you know, pay somebody $500 a month, he would. If your boss would outsource your job to a robot, if that was possible, he would. And in many industries, he will. Um, so naturally, he's going to be a source of stress because your entire revenue is generated from that one person. You're completely dependent on one person. Even if you're a salesman with clients, at the end of the day, um, you really only have one client to manage, which is him. He can turn off the tap. As opposed to a business where... Uh, you sell a service to many people or you tell a high ticket service to, you know, a lot of people like I do. Uh, you constantly have new clients coming in the door. It's hard to keep up with demand. Um, you know, if you're able to elevate your high ticket service and, and get into the guru game and able to sell products, info products around that and stuff like that, you really diversify the amount of people you're dependent on, both the current people um, and the future people. And if you've created what I have an inbound marketing machine through organic content and then soon to be advertising, 
um, you're not even having to get on the phone and get after these people that are coming to you. Okay, but if that's not your scenario right now, a lot of your stress is going to come from your boss because um, ultimately your your revenue depends on him. And if you don't have a lot in the bank, you know you're in a tough financial situation. And so, a lot of your daily life at work is about making him happy, act a certain way, dress a certain way, come in at a certain time. Um, all those are are because you're in a relationship that inherently um, is not serving you and that other person is causing you significant amounts of, of stress. Um, you know, 99% of people aren't free. You know, in capitalism, you really have to be part of the 1% either, you know, as a sole proprietor earning six figures to 250, um, ideally in a service business like I recommend, or, you know, you've got more, building more of an empire where, you're, where you have employees. Um, now, that doesn't change the relationship. It, it just changes your position in it, um, which I'd rather them than you. If, if somebody's gonna work for somebody, I'd rather you have employees than you be an employee, because it's my message to be helping you. Same thing within your job, uh, colleagues, right? I thank God I don't have colleagues anymore. Like some random strangers picked off the street, you're spending 50 hours a week with them, more time than your, than your girlfriend or your wife or your kids or your family or your loved ones. This is, you know, what colleagues are. And a lot of the time they come from totally different backgrounds, have totally different values. You have to hear a lot about the sports bar or the sports ball. You, you have to hear about the local weather. You have to hear about everyone's opinions on politics. Um, you have to censor yourself if your opinions are not 100% politically correct because it could hurt your revenue. Um, you know, you have to deal with people who are petty. Um, in sales, you're gonna have guys trying to steal your clients, um, trying to step on you to get ahead. You'll have an office manager who's nice to your face, but you know, is political despite the tiny amount of power that she or he has. Um, I really hated working in an office and my stress levels went down significantly um, after getting out of those environments massively. So that's a big one. Um, another big one is is your clients. So if you're in sales like I was, you're gonna have a lot of bad clients and because you might need to make 40 grand a month like I did to hit your target, you can't afford to fire anyone. Um, you might even be in a business and you have a lot of bad clients. You, it could be because you know, you're just making six figures and you wanna go back down to making 60 grand a year. Or you could be making seven figures but you're prioritizing money over you know your fulfillment and it's important to prioritize money uh, but I think there comes a time and place where you know your inspiration your fulfillment is is more important and I think once you get above that hundred grand you're getting to that 200 grand range um, I think it's time to start firing the clients who who are suppressing you who are stressing you out you know when you're like this guy's calling again. But it's usually the most difficult clients are also the ones who, who, you know, pay you the least on average. That's always how it's been for me. Although I had a few large clients that, that were difficult um, in the past in my sales job. Now I have an awesome business and I like talking to my all my clients. I look forward to all my calls, my peak performance coaching program. Um, but it's really only because I set up a business that was totally within my values, 
Um, I'm able to express myself freely on camera. So like attracts like, I attract clients who are like me and naturally I get along with them. Um, so that's really important. And you know, if you're in sales, there's not much you can do about it except starting your own business. If you're in your own business, um, the best thing you can do is go out and be more aggressive either on outbound or more aggressive on, on spending money on advertising for your inbound so that you can afford to fire, you know, the bottom 20% of your clients who are, who are making your life difficult. You don't have to do it right away. And a lot of times that's not smart. You, you put up with them until you can get your income up. But ultimately, if you've got a proper sales funnel and, and um, you're continuing to grow every year, because if the business isn't growing, it's dying, then you're gonna be able to afford to replace those clients. And often that is an extra motivation to go out and get more clients, you know, cause sometimes it can be difficult to, to be inspired to go get more money if you're struggling. But if you're saying, Hey, two to three months from now, I don't have to deal with these guys anymore. That gives you a bit of extra oomph to, uh, to go out and get some new clients. Um, another big area is, uh, you know, your wife or your girlfriend, like if your wife or your girlfriend is a major source of stress, Got to tell you, man, probably in a toxic relationship and that relationship should end the sooner, the better. Okay. Yes, there will be some drama to a degree in every relationship, but you'd be shocked how having the right person or right women in your life, how little drama you can have. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Are you looking forward to seeing that person or do you not want to see them? You know, the bulk of the week. Like, you know, of your interactions, you know, is it, is it 90% positive, 80% positive, or is it only, is it, is it 70, 80, 90% negative? Like you should be looking forward to see that person the vast majority of the time, because otherwise you better be getting paid for that relationship. You know, you better be getting paid to stack up money to get yourself out of survival into thrival to where you don't have to have negative people in your life that's one of the beautiful things that money does for you is it provides a way out of having to deal you know with people that you don't want to deal with so if you're in a relationship for free a girlfriend or a friendship relationship and it's primarily negative and that person's primarily a source of stress recognize what that is they're stressing you out because they've caused you a predominant amount of pain in the past and you're afraid that they're gonna cause you a predominant amount of pain in the future. And more likely than not, you're in a toxic relationship. And I'm not saying that it's the other person's fault entirely, it might be partially your fault. Um, but either way, you know, you guys aren't meshing well together. Now there's tactics you can do um, and, and you know, ways to recharge that relationship. Caretza is one of them, active listening more is another one. But a lot of the time, once it's gotten to that toxic stage for long enough, um, it might be difficult to salvage. And, you know, when there's an abundance of other women out there, you know, it's probably best that, that you know, you end that relationship. Same thing with friendships. You know, one thing you'll notice, and I noticed this with a lot of my clients, some of my clients are multimillionaires in their 40s. Some of them are younger guys in their 20s. Um, especially with the younger guys, I've noticed that as they start to elevate themselves, you know, they're getting real serious about the gym, the diet, um, building their business. Um, they're not having a lot of time for other people as you can't 
you know, you can't have everything, right? If you're really serious about personal improvement, building a business, especially if you're doing it on top of having a job, um, you're not going to have a lot of time for other people. A lot of people are going to see, you know, your elevation, see you start to change. And for these young guys, especially their friends aren't liking it. Their friends are trying to cut them down. They're telling them the business won't work. What are you doing? Um, you know, stick to that job because ultimately they're jealous. They're seeing, Hey, you know, I was more popular than this guy in high school. I was more popular than this guy in university. Now I'm starting to see what life was about. I'm, I'm flattening out into mediocrity. I peaked at 18 or I peaked at 19 or 20 or 21. And this guy's pulling ahead of me and I don't like it. I'm trying to pull him back down. And you'd be surprised how often that happens. Um, you know, if you haven't had to cut a, a few friends off, you probably should. You know, you can probably think about it right now. If you haven't cut off a bunch of people, there's probably two or three guys that are holding you back right now. Or even worse, and this is something I've noticed with almost all my clients, is the what I call the imaginary audience. So you might not have even hung out with these guys. Maybe you're 27, maybe you're 33, right, in 10 years. But maybe you weren't the most popular person in high school or university. And there were some alpha males who outranked you. And they got more girls than you in high school or they, or they got more girls than you in university. You, you, they were more popular. And you learned like, hey, if you stuck your neck up, you know, you were going to get slapped, slapped down. This is what I've noticed with a lot of guys who are, quote, introverted. And you guys know I don't believe too much in introversion versus extroversion. I just believe people who tend towards m more introversion have been smacked down more often, either by their parents or by, you know, the people they grew up with when they tried to, you know, assert themselves and, and um, become more open and more sociable. So a lot of people are still being held back by the imaginary audience in their head. What would that dipshit from high school think about what I was doing right now? If I, if I blasted my face all over social media for my real estate business or my, you know, personal training business or whatever the deal is. And who am I, who am I to be doing this? I, I'm, I'm trying to raise too far above what my natural, my, nat, my natural station is. And so even though they're not seeing these guys anymore, or maybe he's an ex-business partner, you know, who used to be the top dog and you were his right-hand man, and he's holding you back in your head. Um, but you're ultimately, everyone has an imaginary audience, right? But ultimately, you might only see these guys once a quarter, once a year. You haven't seen them in 10 years, but they're still within your imaginary audience holding you back um, with shame. Like, shame if I really got aggressive with this, or shame if, hey, maybe I want to date a few girls at once. Um, you know, and, and you're shamed by what these people think. And th the same thing applies to family. Family's a big one. Um, for some people, they have really positive environments and supportive environments with their family. Some people have the total opposite. Um, the vast majority of clients that I've worked with had, had families that weren't particularly supportive. Um, I'm lucky to have a supportive supportive family. My mom supports what I do. Um, you know, especially now after I cleaned up a lot of the site, but, um, a lot of guys don't have that. So especially if you're from a, a traditional background, I've had clients who are of, um, North American, but they were of, you know, Indian and, and, uh, uh, Asian ethnicity. And that's a, you know, been a big struggle for those guys is, 
you know, their, their parents wanted them to be doctor or lawyer. And in, and in most cases with my clients, it was, it was specifically, it was like, you know, doctor, you can't even go get an MBA or something. That's, that's going to cause a problem. Um, so naturally when you're raised in that kind of environment and there's so much uh, shame attached to, um, you know, not doing what your parents want, it makes it very difficult for you to follow your own inspiration and, and live your life. But the reality is, is, is which one do you want, want more? Do you want to live for other people's social idealisms or do you want to live for what truly inspires you? And if you truly want to live for what inspires you and you don't want to sacrifice your happiness to avoid some shame, like so many people do, um, then, you know, you have to make those choices and be willing to have those conversations. Now, I'm not going to tell you like, you know, if you used to watch Stefan Molyneux, he was always telling people to defoo from their family, which means no contact. Um, obviously, if you had some crazy traumatic childhood of, of, you know, a lot of abuse, I think that's the right move. But I think for most people, um, you know, m people with normalish childhoods uh, who had, you know, some difficulties with the family, I, I think... And I'm not a guilt or shame guy, but I think there's an obligation to a degree to your parents, especially your mom. She had created you. You came out of her body um, at great cost to her. Um, can't repay that. It would be hard for me, you know, to, to be able to try and justify that, especially when you're, you're trying to be accountable. You're trying to be a man. You're trying to, you know, do things the right way and, and be a stand-up guy. Um, so... I think you, you, you do have a responsibility to your parents, but, um, you know, it certainly could be a situation where you could have less contact um, and you could have more conversations where you stand up for yourself despite the cost, knowing that, hey, um, I'm not willing to live a life of unfulfillment, you know. Um, as I said, luckily I've had, you know, I have a supportive family, although there were definitely some conversations in there. Um, it was difficult for me to move away from Toronto. I, do, I did and do feel guilty about it to a degree. And I'm looking on, you know, finding solutions to that to be able to spend at least three or four months a year with my mom. Um, but ultimately, I went on to fill my mission. And, and like I said, I do have a supportive environment. But if you don't, you know, then that's something that you need to get a handle on. And I think it's about having those uncomfortable conversations and, and, you know, if they're really pressing up on you, um, you know, what they're saying is that your happiness isn't important. What's happy is that you do what I, what we say, you're usually coming from a shame-based family, meaning that they're ashamed themselves of, of not living the social idealisms. What would the neighbors think? What would your cousins think? What would, um, you know, they have that imaginary audience deeply ingrained in their head um, and they're trying to impose that on you you know, and they think that's the right thing to do. And I definitely don't. I think that, that, you know, there's an obligation to your parents, but ultimately, you know, it was God that created you. Um, you're not owned by your parents. You know, you didn't ask to be born. You were, you were brought into this world and, and you deserve to have um, high quality of life. And if you want to be able to get your head around that a bit more. Just think about it like, let's say you have some kids of your own. 
do you really expect that you can shame them their your whole life and that they they should live exactly according to how you want them to live and that that's good parenting and that um what matters is what the neighbors and your cousins and your grandparents think and and you know to expect to have a close relationship with those kids uh that's the last thing that i want to do if i do choose to have kids my number one goal is that they're going to be happy and healthy and that they will be able to do whatever the fuck they want in life um, while being able to make a good living out of that. And I'll support them in that 100%. Um, and I think that's how kids should be raised. So, you know, start to look at it from that perspective. Um, but to get deeper into this, dude, it even comes down to, you know, your neighbors, your landlord. You know, if you've got a landlord that's not paying that's forgetting to pay the water bill, the heating bill, it's causing you problems. Um, if you've got noisy neighbors like I do, it's great here for three months until these neighbors moved in. Uh, they've got a dog, they've got kids running around from 8 p.m. till midnight. Um, this has been a problem for me. Across the board, I spent a lot of time in Asia. You know, I lived in the Philippines, I lived in Thailand for a while. I mean, Eastern Europe now and second to third world countries this has been a problem. But I'm sure it's a problem in, in Toronto. I didn't have much of a problem. But it's it's not just the neighbors. There'll be random drilling in the building. And wherever I go, it seems to follow me to the point where when my lease expires, um, because there's no seafront views over where I'm at, I'm probably going to get a penthouse, a duplex, so that there's no one directly below me or above me or to the side of me. So I can't hear drilling above me beside me and beside me, which is sometimes what I'm hearing, um, especially frustrating if I'm trying to make a video or, and this was an, uh, this was an apartment that was great when I moved in, I had no neighbors. And then both of them moved in, started renovating. And I feel like I live in a construction zone. My elevator is filled with workmen. They smoke cigarettes inside. There's bags of sand everywhere. The lights are, I don't know. I don't even know what's going on here, okay? I feel like I should be getting paid to live in here, you know, and, and be carrying around, you know, construction bags myself. Like, that's why I feel like I'm in, a, I'm in a job site, okay? And this is one of the nicer buildings in a nicer area. So these have been a big source of stress, and then there's construction out on the street. So who's the source of stress? The workmen, the construction workers, the people next door, their dog, their kids, um, the guys in the building doing the drilling. It's specific people, you know. I can point them out in a lineup. I know exactly what they look like. Um, to the point where I'm ready to hop in a penthouse two stories, just for me, just to solve that fucking problem and have it be on the 14th floor, knowing that like, hey, I probably can't get rid of the street construction noise and some of the honking, at least in my current environment. But if I'm high enough up, it's gonna be relatively um, you know, not too loud. And of course I've got my construction earmuffs, which I always recommend to you guys, the Optim 3M earmuffs. Uh, I have those on every time I'm writing a sketch for a video, anytime I'm doing projects, those are my babies. If you're planning one of the second, third world, I think it's important. Um, if you want to watch more on this, check out my article and video, how to rent a condo or an apartment. Um, ideally you've got something C view or you've got a house that's far away from people. But even a house in a quiet suburb, you could still have problems with your neighbors in the sense that 
you know, you see them pulling out of their car every day and maybe they're living sort of a traditional family life and you're a bachelor and, um, you know, you've got your lady friends coming over and you feel like you're being judged or the woman next door is always poking her head in and, and trying to get you to do something for Halloween or trying to get you to come to the PTA bake sale or trying to get you to come to some of that other stuff that maybe you're not too interested in. You feel like you're being suppressed and being judged by these neighbors and, you know, you're not fitting in because you don't have 2.2 kids and, and uh, you know, a Prius, an environmentally friendly um, electric car or whatever it is. But that sounds maybe like a small thing, but that might be weighing on you, right? You might recognize that, hey, that actually does bother me. Um, I feel compressed and constricted within my own environment instead of being able to be free and liberated. And even though those people aren't around me a lot, you know, because they're in such close proximity that they're staying with me in my imaginary audience. Okay. Um, Same goes for a bad neighborhood. If, If you're a guy in a lower economic income neighborhood, now you've got real problems. And and these are with specific people, you know, the guys that you see on the street corners, you know, smoking weed and doing pull-ups on the light pole. Like you've got, you know, problems with those specific people. And those are a real source of stress. And again, the best thing you can do is just, you know, get yourself into like a working class neighborhood at not much more expense and getting away from these potential people, these trouble sources that could cause you violence. Um... You know, even down to like where you're going to the gym, you know, is it a positive environment, you know, with lots of nice looking ladies and and a friendly staff or, you know, is it kind of a rundown place with a bunch of meatheads that are unfriendly to you? Um, The etiquette's bad. They're dropping weights. You know, they're trying to interrupt your set. Um, You know, there's gyms like that. Just just to where like it's it's that less inspirational for you to go to work out or you know another another one okay delivery drivers and cab drivers one thing i've noticed about living in second and third world countries is cab drivers can't read maps um you know it's difficult for them to find your place they'll call you up they're speaking a different language which is natural but um, you can't expect everyone to learn English, although it makes sense if you're a cab driver. But, uh, you know, the only place that you can get guaranteed delivery, um, as well as, you know, the food delivery, which if you're like me, you live on food delivery because you hate cooking. Um, and being able to call a cab and have him come to the right places. If you live in one of the modern buildings that's on Google Maps, it's a big landmark, um, especially true in Thailand and Eastern Europe and stuff like that. You know, it'll be a big condo building. It's not that much more expensive. You're going to get better management. Um, and all the drivers will be able to find it. So, again, it's about people. The drivers will no longer be a source of stress. Um, it'll probably be a service department, you know. So the cleaners won't be a source of stress coming in. The concierge will be good. Um, you know, there won't be as much drilling, especially if you get the penthouse or if you get a sea view uh, corner unit type of place. Um, you know, these might sound like first world problems in the second and third world, and maybe they are, but Hey, you know, if you work from home, um, and your home's your office, you know, you want that environment to be as supportive as possible. Okay. And, um, these are ultimately 
worthwhile goals. But again, we're talking about specific people. And another one is, is business partners. I had a client of mine, you know, he was in a business, $75 million a year in revenue, but um, terrible relationship with, with his partner. His partner was violating all kinds of rules, um, was ineffective, was co costing the company money, um, really just a major trouble source. And ultimately it got to a point where, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't even worth it for him to be there, even though he'd invested money into this deal and, um, you know, had ownership and built it up. And, you know, we found him a, a, a deal that's 10 times better. He's got ownership in that. He's a CEO now instead of a CFO. Uh, and he's crushing it and he's loving it. And, you know, we've removed a lot of the people in that environment who, who could even potentially be negative towards him. And now it's like he's got free and clear sailing. He's got total control and he's a super sharp guy. So naturally the company is doing very well and his ex business partner's company, um, you know, is going down without him and people are starting to figure out why. And, you know, it's a, it's a win on five different levels. So you might be in a situation where the business partner is a source of stress because he's, he's difficult to be around. He's not support, he's challenging, he's not supportive. Um, he's making bad decisions. He's costing the company money. Maybe he's doing things that are reckless or borderline illegal. Um, you know, someone was partners with Jordan Belfort, right? That, you know, you want to talk about a stressful and negative situation when he's doing all that crazy stuff um, that you saw in the movie. So, you know, again, I could go on and on with this. Not all sources of stress are from people but the vast majority are. And the ones that I covered before, I could even delve into those exceptions. So let's say the exceptions of money stress, health stress, stress of death, okay? Money stress just means you don't have enough good clients or either, you know, you're making a bad deal by working for someone else instead of working for yourself so, and you're getting the stress of your boss and colleagues or you're working for yourself but you don't have enough good clients because you've been settling for bad clients instead of going out there and getting after and really hustling and getting new clients that are good, that fit your values and getting rid of the bad ones um, so that you can make your 250 or your, your, your take home seven figures, okay? Um, by the way, I think that anybody in the high ticket service can do 250 as a sole proprietor, just so you know, before you have to start hiring people. That's my, that's my belief. For sure six figures, but the vast majority can do 250. Okay, um, if not more. So, again, that's a, that's a people problem. What does Grant Cardone always say? Who has my money? Who specifically has my money? Who are the clients that I need, you know, to get to seven figures? Who are the clients I need to get to, to hit those targets? Um, so even that problem and a lot of the money problem, a lot of times is just the fact that you don't have the right people in your life for you to be able to add value to, to, to get paid for that high ticket service. Okay. Um, let's say sickness. Yes. You know, health is a real thing and it's not necessarily caused by people, but you know, stress is a major cause of, of illness. Um, one that's often subconscious and you don't realize, or, you know, because you don't have the right clients in business or you don't have your own business, you're not able to afford organic food and, um, you know, the right courses on health. 
and you're not able to afford the genetic test that they have and, and the biohacking and the right doctors. Same thing with death. Yes, death is inevitable, but you know, when you have money, when you have the best doctors, when you have, you know, the ability to study biohacking and all the, you know, guys like Joe Cohen from selfhack.com, you know, you could put another 20 years on your life, if not more, especially where the technology is going, or you can buy the right, you know, whatever crazy stuff, nanotechnology comes out in the future or buy the hair transplant or buy the back surgery or, or, Hey, everyone's got a 25% chance of cancer, 25% chance of heart disease. You can afford to go to the best doctors, um, to hopefully get that solved. So, and that comes down from having the right clients, getting rid of the wrong, the wrong structure, boss and colleagues, having the right clients, getting rid of the wrong clients. You can spend more time getting more of the right clients so that you can afford to have the right doctors, the right health coach, uh, the right biohackers. See, again, it's all people, you know? Um, if you don't have money, all you can afford is, is you know, whatever doctor is working at that rate. You know what I mean? They're not sending their best usually, okay? Same thing with um, any legal troubles you have. If you've got a public defender, they're definitely not sending their best on that. He's going to try and get you to settle so he doesn't have to do any work, okay? As opposed to when you do have money, because you have the right clients, you can get the right lawyer and significantly reduce your legal stress. Um, or you go back in time and you didn't involve yourself with the person who's suing you in the first fucking place because that person was a trouble source and was trying to suppress you, Okay. It's all people, almost, not always, but in so many cases, the source of stress is people. So you've gotta be vigilant about protecting your circle, getting rid of the wrong people, being able to spot the wrong people in advance, um, and being able to do so without hesitation or reservation, because your happiness is the most important thing. As long as you're not hurting other people, you're living ethically, you deserve and it's your duty, your obligation to live a happy and inspirational life as possible, okay? And if you want help with that, if you want some of the courage and some of the strategies and structures to be able to get the wrong people out of your life, feel free to look into my peak performance coaching program, revolutionarylifestyledesign.com forward slash coaching. If you think that's for you and you want some help with some of this stuff, I'd love to have you in the coaching. If not, make sure to subscribe on YouTube, get the notifications as well. Much love to you. Thank you so much for watching.